That song sucks. gentlemen we welcome you in our recorded glory to the most stupendous episode of the most stupendous wrestling podcast in all of the world my name is mike alloy with me as always the el guapo of professional wrestling commentary and stand-up comedy satoyo guys thank you once again listen to give me the book we are happy you are here again we are so so happy to have you with us this is it. This is the big one. This is the big WrestleMania weekend we've all been waiting for. Uh, to be, like I said, it's a loaded episode where we'll preview WrestleMania, we'll preview Ring of Honor, uh, Supercard, we will put Triple H's career in retrospective. But before we do all of that, I want to start off up front with a topic that I don't think we would touch on otherwise unless we focus on it. I want to give props to New Japan for putting on an excellent, excellent tournament with New Japan Cup. And specifically, I want to give a lot of credit to the man who might be the best wrestler in the world at the moment, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., who in the last week alone had three bangers of matches, just three of the best matches of the year. I've seen a tremendous match with Will Ospreay that we discussed last week, a tremendous match with Shingo, probably my favorite match of the year so far, and another great match with Naito. Um, that also in the tournament he had another very, very good match with uh, Greater Khan. So just wanted to give some credit to the man. Again, three bangers in one week is is remarkable. Um, and again, we, he's been great for a while. It's good to see him in New, New Japan get behind him. Maybe he'll finally win the big one. He has won New, Chica- New Japan Cup before, only to come up short. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah, this is Zack Sabre Jr.'s second New Japan Cup victory. Obviously, this is the far more impressive one. This was, I do believe, the biggest New Japan Cup uh, of all time. Um, you know, it had the, probably one of the more star-studded casts, like m- missing Jay White, of course, but excellent in that. Um, yeah, he had three bangers of a match. His match with Naito was excellent. Uh, match with Shingo, excellent. Match with Osprey, excellent. Uh, on the other end of that block, Naito had an also a, a very good, uh, a great, actually, New Japan Cup run insofar as how he was how how he was advancing every single round um that really helped bolster him back up again after uh you know losing to Okada uh, for the IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship I would love to see uh Zack Sabre Jr win the big one I don't think Okada needs it but I think they might feel that the title needs it um but I would even disagree with that because of the work Shingo's done um, you know, but now they're getting people back in there. So we'll see how that goes. It would nice to see, it would be nice to see Zach Sabre Jr. Win that because then you would have the most obnoxious <laughs> snotty punk, uh, who can stretch you and, and tap you in any number of ways holding that belt. So, yeah, I thought the new Japan cup this year was really, really just excellent. 
Yeah, we'll have to go in, uh, too much into depth into it. Just wanted to get give give credit where credit is due on a on the front loaded show. Uh, so now let's talk about the things that uh, will drive those clicks, uh, as as they say in the business. Um, so Triple H has announced his retirement due to his health. Um, obviously, he had a heart attack that we found out uh, during last year uh, that landed him in the hospital. Uh, we have learned that he, even still to this day, has a defibrillator in his chest. Uh, he has looked good and sounded good, but um, on ESPN when he announced uh, his retirement, but his in-ring career is over. Um, and so it is appropriate for us to talk about that career. Uh, we have said a lot of things on this podcast about him. I don't think we were wrong about them. I don't think we're going to back off of our points. Um, but I do think we did tend to focus on the negative and not so much the positive of his career. So, Satoyo, without further ado, uh, I'll yield the floor to you, as I usually do in these cases, um, to talk about Triple H's career. Yeah, I mean, Triple H, uh, Paul Levesque, you know, as many of you know now, started up in the, the you know, the New England area around 1992. He was trained by Killer Kowalski. Um, I first became initiated with the man when he was known as Terra Ryzen in WCW, and I immediately liked him. He was this big, like sort of jacked up. Rick Flair bigger because he's six, four and Rick is like six, one build. So I was really, really impressed with him um, in his presentation. He had done a move I had never seen before the Indian Deathlock. He had the Ric Flair hair. I thought this guy is really, really cool and you can totally do something with him as a kid. But my kid brain like this guy can beat a lot of people. He's really big and strong and every, all this stuff. And he was weirdly athletic for his size. And then, you know, uh, this is sort of where I was starting to get smartened up to things because he's getting his little run, his terrorized, and I'm like, everything's good. Then I see the same guy in the same year. All of a sudden, he's Jean-Paul Levic, and I'm like, that's terrorizing. <laughs> like, what are we doing? And all of a sudden, he has a French accent. So I'm like, why? Where? What happened to terrorize? So I was, so I was like, but that's the same guy. You can't like where you got me with the diamond stud to Razor Ramon. You couldn't get me this time. You did it in the same year. Uh, then he actually had a team with um, with uh, Stephen Regal, who would then become William Regal. Uh, this was kind of like the, the precursor to the Blue Bloods that Stephen uh, would do with Bobby Eaton um, and some others during his time in WCW. But they were two like, you know, aristocratic, you know, Europeans that were just better than everyone. And then he just went away. He just sort of disappeared. And then, as I found out later in years past, he was basically saying, hey, man, sign me for a year. If you like me, sure, I'll resign for five all the while thinking. And this year I'm going to do I'm going to have such a body of work that I can just go to New York and that'll be that. He goes to New York and basically takes the Jean-Paul Levesque character with him almost to the T, just changes his name and drops the accent. And then we have Hunter Hearst Helmsley, uh, the you know, the Connecticut Blue Blood. And um it was cool. He had, he had, a, he had a move that I had never seen before in the pedigree that was particularly cool, but he was also definitely a character that for a time sort of lost in the shuffle, but you knew that they had plans for him because he was just beating everyone. Um, so then you think things are going to happen. You think things are going in the right track. He beats the wild man, Mark Merrow, uh, and you know, for the intercontinental title in 96, uh, with the help of Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, who was supposed to come back and fight Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Turns out it was a big swerve. They faked the whole thing so that Mr. Perfect screws over Mark Merrill. Then, uh, you know, Triple H is the Intercontinental Champion. You think something is going to happen with this guy. Curtain call happens. 
He starts losing a lot. He does not win the King of the Ring. I was not too torn up about this because he was just, he just, he wasn't one of them dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it was clear that they had plans for him. Um, he, to, to, to his credit, a lot of people I think would have folded in that situation where, you know, Vince basically told him because of his associations, that's very important to note. If he was just an island unto himself and no one went to bat for him, he definitely would have been fired. But it was the fact that Sean was the champion and Vince understood this guy is keeping my champion out of danger, <laughs> you know, and he said, but I can't I can't push you right now. You're going to have to learn to eat shit and like it. I do believe that a lot of wrestlers would have left rightfully so. I don't even think they'd be wrong. But, you know, as conversation, as legend has it, as Triple H just said, he said, hey, if I can get through this is the slate clean. And Vince said the slate is clean. And I think a lot of times that gets lost. Sometimes in entertainment, some things will happen. And, and the person who makes the decision will sit there and be like, I don't want to get rid of you, but I cannot let this behavior go unchecked because if I do, it looks poorly on the rest of the talent pool. So you got to suffer to his credit. He suffered. He got through it. And then he won the King of the Ring. He was in an amazing program with Mick Foley. The Intercontinental title goes back around his waist. The DX stuff pops off. Sean goes away because Sean just couldn't be around because of his bad back and his substance abuse problems. He takes over Degeneration X at what I believe is their most popular point um, in any incarnation of them with the Road Dog, with Billy Gunn, with X-Pac, with China. And aside from Stone Cold Steve Austin, they were just the hottest thing in that company, babyface wise. Him and The Rock trade the Intercontinental title, or they're in a feud for the Intercontinental title um, throughout the summer, producing amazing matches. One at Fully Loaded, uh, 1997, which was two out of three falls. And then, of course, 1998, I'm sorry. And then, of course, their, their classic ladder match. Uh, at SummerSlam, and I say it's a classic ladder match because it was so much different than any of the ladder matches that had been produced by WWE at that time. These were two big dudes who did not fly. There was not one guy who was going to do the kicks and the stuff. These were two big guys who beat the shit out of each other uh, with that ladder, and it produced at that time my favorite ladder match uh, to that point. Uh, then Triple H has some knee issues. You know, I mean, he had had some wop knees for a while but that was that that win for him was sort of like a waterloo moment he won everybody he popped that pop was so crazy into the garden it was amazing you think this guy's off to the races he's going to be the next he's going to be the number two baby face and da -da. turns out it's different he's away and the rock just continues to ascend while he's getting his knee worked on he's getting his knee scoped he has to relinquish the title all this other stuff and then he's sort he's sort of getting back into the form into form around January of 1999. He's working a lot of the main events uh, with The Rock. They have a cool I Quit match. They have a cool match for the WWE title. All this stuff, that I Quit match that was on Raw was China turning on him and siding with the corporation. That was very big because like, oh my God, DX is breaking up. And it leads to hit a match between him and Kane at WrestleMania uh, 16, which I was inclined to buy, quite frankly. Part of me was really considering buying that match, but ECW's Living Dangerously was happening at the same time, and I knew for a fact Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam won nothing on that WWE card that was going to be seeing that. No disrespect, but as a child, the work rate and the spots were just, no one in WWE could see that, as we both know, because both those gentlemen wound up working for said company. Um, but I remember watching it back and, you know, it was it was such a surreal night. It was not a good WrestleMania at all. Him and Kane had an OK match at best. 
but it was in furtherance of a story where, from the looks of it, China turns on Kane. She sides again with Triple H. DX is back. They're like, we're back and we're stronger than ever. And then that night, Triple H fucks over X-Pac for the European title to give to Shane McMahon. And then he joins the corporation. This was a pivotal moment for uh, for Paul Levesque because he had an understanding of you got The Rock, you got Steve Austin. I can't get there this way. I, I will never get to their level at all. I have to turn heel. I have to do something different. And that was a wildly unpopular decision within the group of DX, which is understandably so because they were making money hand over fist in that merchandise. So for those guys, they're thinking like, yo, like why ruin this good thing? Like the money, the money's coming in. But Paul Levesque, because regardless of whatever he did to the business, by helping expose a lot of it, which he did, he also was self-interested enough to want it to be the WWE's heavyweight champion because that title still meant something at that time. So during that heel turn period, by this point, Triple H is still really one of my favorite workers. He turns heel. He becomes my favorite heel in all of pro wrestling. That's when the sort of the might stuff started in the higher brain pattern. And he's down to a singlet, him and China. That's where I believe you start to see the evolution of this character. He finally wins the WWE title uh, against uh, Mankind the night after SummerSlam, where Mankind defeated him and Stone Cold Steve Austin in a triple threat match. He loses the title to Vince McMahon very, very quickly uh, due to outside interference from Stone Cold Steve Austin. He has an amazing six-pack challenge match at Unforgiven uh, of, of 1999 that he wins. He has an okay triple threat match with the big show in The Rock uh, at Survivor Series as an okay match with uh, Steve Austin the month prior at No Mercy. So he's just kind of figuring things out. And then the McMahon-Helmsley era sort of begins. And that's where this the game really took shape and really, really built up steam because now DX reunites their now a heel faction. And he had the longest reign at that point with the WWE title. He had that look, the longest reign with the title in about three or four years. He only held it from <laughs> he only held it from uh, like January of 2000 to April of 2000. But the title was such hot potato, hot potato, hot potato to hold it for 90 days during that time period felt like an eternity. And he was one of the few heel champions of that time period to walk into WrestleMania, the champion, and walk out of WrestleMania, the champion. Uh, he had an amazing Iron Man match with The Rock at Judgment Day after dropping the title to The Rock the previous month at Backlash. At King of the Ring, they had a really... Weird six man for the WWE title. He had a great last man standing match with Chris Jericho. He had a great triple threat match uh, with The Rock and Kurt Angle at SummerSlam. He had a great singles match with Kurt Angle at Unforgiven. He had a great uh, singles match with Chris Benoit at No Mercy. This was he had a great trust, brawling right? match. It's all, it's all 2000 when One he was unquestionably. Let me, let me interject yeah. and, let, and help you catch your breath a little bit. Uh, if you go to the cage match and, you know, you don't have to take the cage match word as, as gospel or anything. But if you look up the best matches of the year 2000, especially for WWE, I think like 80% of them have like Triple H in it. Like he was yeah. just like the guy both in the world, period, but also especially in yeah. WWE, he was yeah. the guy putting on like high work rate matches. Yeah, make no mistake about it. WWE and in that in the world, I would always say this, regardless of any criticism I have with Triple H going forward, which are all justified. That year, there was no better wrestler on the planet, without question, full stop. Uh, you know, and then you know he he was just producing great things leading into 2000. He had his first kind of bad match <laughs> at the Royal Rumble with Kurt Angle, where it just didn't click, just didn't work. Two heels, too much tomfoolery. 
Triple H was trying to protect himself while trying to bury Kurt, but Kurt had to protect him. A lot of chicanery. Then him and Austin have a great match at No Way Out, two out of three falls. He has an amazing match with The Undertaker. Keep in mind, at WrestleMania, going into that WrestleMania 17, people were like, The Undertaker fell off, bro. Undertaker ain't it no more. And then he has a banger with Triple H to sort of reestablish, oh, Taker's still that dude. And Triple H was a big component of that, you know, and then you see, you know, the two man power trip come into play. Austin turns heel him and, you know, rocker together. And, you know, they're doing their thing. They're beating everyone. They're they're beating up the Hardy boys. They're hitting Lita with the chair. They're villainous, terrible heels. And then he tears tears his quad in May of 2000 and everything changes. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Uh, the landscape of the of the company changes entirely. He comes back about nine months later. He's jacked to the gills. Can't even really move as well. But you don't really you're just happy to see him back. He still has the, the one of the loudest pops I've ever seen in professional wrestling history. The night of his return at MSG gets the road warrior pop. And then he's off to the races a little bit. You know, he he wins the Rumble. He he has a great match with Kurt Angle and No Way Out. Has a great match with him the next night. He beats Jericho in a solid match as the WrestleMania main event. He has a he gets a good to great match out of Hulk Hogan at Backlash. A lot of chicanery involved there. Has a great Hell in the Cell match with Chris Jericho. Has an okay match with the Undertaker at King of the Ring. Then he has to have elbow surgery that keeps him on the shelf for a little bit. Uh, he turns heel. You know what I'm saying? Like the smart and correct thing for him to do. He starts doing business. Uh, some things go along, go along, go along. He does some business with Sean that keeps him back in the square. I think what a lot of people are going to, uh, that I, I needed to preface all that to sit so, so that when people hear me start to be critical of him, they have to understand I have done a deep dive analysis on this man's entire career because I was there watching it with the most objective eye that I could possibly have. 2003 came along, shit got weird. They hand him the world title out of nowhere, can't even think to do a tournament when clearly there are more popular people on the roster. Uh, he had a match at Unforgiven with uh, Rob Van Dam. And I'm like, you. I remember going into that being like, oh man, you can't go. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be tremendous. It was the first Triple H match I'd ever fallen asleep during. And I remember watching it back and I was like, oh, this just wasn't good. That's all it is. This wasn't good. He can't move as well. Things seem to be a little clunky for him. And uh, I guess around this time period, the 2003 to 2005 era, it sort of was known as the reign of terror. Now, the reign of terror is not just about him having the title for so long. The reign of terror is also because during this time period, there was a significant drop in, in attendance sales and in ratings and their need to be a frank conversation and discussion about why this was happening. And after a certain point, Vince McMahon said to the late, great Pat Patterson, hey, I need you to go on the road a little bit. I need, I, I need you to see what's happening out there. And I need you to tell me what's going on and what can we fix? Pat does it. He goes out there for a bit. He comes back and he says, it's your son-in-law. It's your son-in-law. It's, it's not working. It's not over. It's just, it's just not a thing. And what does Vince do? Vince lets Pat go. Now, I could be hypercritical about this because from a business perspective, for a man who says, hey, business determines everything, this is a prime example of Vince lying. It's not the first time he lied, but it's a prime example of him lying. There's enough objective evidence to support the fact that that title shouldn't have been on Triple H and that man should not have been working in the main event as the champion who always goes over every night. Now, in defense of that company, oftentimes when you start a wrestling company, um, 
like look at TNA, right? When they first started under Jeff Jarrett and he got the NWA title. The reason Jeff Jarrett held that title for so long is because he could ensure that he'd show up every week. No matter what, he knew, well, I'm not going anywhere. Vern Gagne was champion at AWA for so many years consecutively because he knew, listen, I'm going to make sure I'm the most over guy here. I'll always be here. I'll never ask for more money. I'll never skip a day. Vince understood he had that in Triple H. Having said that, a lot of the most terrible booking decisions in modern wrestling history happened under that watch. WrestleMania 19, the whole lead up and match with Booker T absolutely went wrong. Hurt Booker T for a long time going forward. The angle with Kane did Kane no favors when he was at his most over point as a babyface. The angle with Goldberg, the mere fact that he felt he had to beat Goldberg, and I hit Goldberg. The mere fact that he felt he had to beat Goldberg in an Elimination Chamber match is absolutely stupid because his reasoning was before going into that, he didn't want to lose to Booker T because, as he would say, I need, then you need a strong heel for Goldberg. <laughs> and what does he do? He then beats Goldberg. So this, this was a guy whom... Uh, at many points of, of his career was incredibly, incredibly self-interested. That self-interest did not really change over time. He protected himself because he came up in an era that was very, very political and, we, and you had to protect yourself. And I think he understood the shit that I did to Bret Hart. I don't want to be done to me. I didn't forget the cur I didn't forget the screw job. Like the shit that I did to Bret, I don't want that done to me. So I'm going to do what I can to be around or adjacent to the title as much as I possibly can. I'm going to make sure I get the coolest entrance. I'm going to make sure I get the, all the light shows because now I'm in a position of power where I can do that. And I'd be a fool to not protect myself, even if protecting myself means other parts of the business suffer. So guess what? I'll just beat your biggest baby face of the of the year of this time, CM Punk, for no reason and then just go away again. Right. Because I want to stomp out his little thing, but also keep myself relevant on the minds of the viewers that I'm still that guy. Because as much as people want to sit there and tell you that wins and losses do not matter in professional wrestling, they are lying. Because if that was the case, guys like Paul Levesque wouldn't feel compelled to do what they did. Now, if his story was just about wrestling, it would end as it end. And we would look at his career as a 50 50 split in terms of positives and negatives. I'd look at more 70 30 negative, but that's just me. The saving grace of his legacy is him as an executive with NXT. I think most people would agree with that. And most of the wrestlers, there's a generation of wrestlers now who have nothing but affinity for Triple H because of the opportunities Triple H gave them. When he understood that he was going to take more of his foot off the gas as an in-ring competitor, he then understood, much like Dusty Rose understood, I need to bring up the next crop of talent and they will love me for it. Also, he is a professional wrestling fan much more than Vince. So that, that's how you get it from there. So he did NXT and NXT made a lot of people happy for a number of years. Yeah, I think this is good. And I think it's a good summary. The only way I think I can add, I think the reign of terror is so fascinating to me because of everything it encompasses. And again, it's, it's the point at which I stopped watching wrestling to be quite honest. Because it was bad. <laughs> Looking it was very back, bad. I mean, it was. I mean, the failures you mentioned, I think Kane, RVD, Booker T, Jericho, all had their momentum mm -hmm. stopped out. Uh, Goldberg was just horrible feud. Scott, yeah, there, there was also that with Scott Stein. If you even mentioned, um, Scott Stein was kind of dead in the water. Um, yeah. To be honest with you, he just couldn't really wrestle at all. It was even worse than Triple H at that point. Um, but I think on the other side of Randy and Terra, kind of looking back on it, it did produce the Shawn Michaels feud, which is, again, one of the best feuds of the early 2000s. I think that's fair. Um, it produced evolution. You know, so without, you know, the Reign of Terror, you, you might not have Randy Orton, you might not have Batista. It certainly gave him the launching pad uh, they needed, and of course, it also made Ric Flair relevant again after being not so relevant, you know, in, during the early 2000s. And when he first came to WWE, he was kind of floundering until the evolution 
uh, situation. And then, you know, for uh, what's worth, he also served, he did do a job for Benoit and, you know, kind of gave him the, the, the big, you know, his WrestleMania moment, which, you know, doesn't feel so good at this point, but at the time, it was like obviously, you know, one of the bigger WrestleMania moments uh, and one of the best WrestleMania main events uh, and, and the WrestleMania point. So I just think, and I think that's kind of looking at his whole legacy. It's like, like, as you were saying, I didn't make it, maybe break it down, but it is very, very complicated. Even in his later years, you know, you were right, he didn't move so well, like he didn't interject him in storylines. But, you know, you don't have Triple H interjecting himself in storylines. You don't have Daniel Bryan storyline to close WrestleMania 30 without him. And if you don't and if you don't have Triple H injecting himself in storylines, you don't have him be- beating Sting at WrestleMania for no fucking reason the following year. Also important to note, and I do want to say this for clarification, the, Sa- the Shawn Michaels feud in its infancy was before the Reign of Terror itself. Right. So it we're going 2002 from before, before 2002 sort of looped out that year. But yes, during the Reign of Terror, Shawn was also still there, but it was understood Shawn was never going to win. They, were, they had a last man standing match at a Royal Rumble where both of them were counted out. Mm-hmm. It was very much, and again, that's actually Triple H booking someone to protect them, right? Like, like that's actually a situation there where that happens. But also to your point, and I'll give credit where credit's due, I do think that aside from NXT, probably the best thing that he did wrestling-wise was Evolution because heel factions and stables like that are generally meant like you should produce stars out of that. And he gave them two of the company's biggest stars in Batista, now a guy who's like a movie star bigger than professional wrestling, and Randy Orton, one of their biggest stars ever at this point, and Mr. You know, Mr. Reliable. So to his credit, I think probably the best thing that he did uh, wrestling-wise in terms of creating stars while he was a worker was also during a time period where he was causing immeasurable harm to the overall product and the numbers. But he's also very smart insofar as he knew these two guys can never really be bigger than me, but they can be big. He made the mistake with Batista because Batista then became a movie star, but he understood like in the ring, like I'm always going to be better than this guy and arguably more over and beloved. And he understood Randy's wildly talented, uh, but he doesn't have his head on straight. So while we can give him the title, we're going to take it off. him. It's going to, it's going to take this kid a number of years till he gets his head on straight. And that actually wound up being the case. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think that for him, uh, you're absolutely right. I think the last really great match that he had was against Daniel Brian Danielson. I do believe that that was his last really great match. He had no other match that was even good at that point. Now the next year he, he had the best WrestleMania match of the night with sting, but that was because of the elements involved there. And they both knew how to work with each other. Also, you don't beat an incoming legend like that, but of course, triple H just has to win. Uh, he just, he just has to beat a WCW dude. Right. Um, and then, you know, he does his, he does what he can, where he can to help out how he can the stuff with Seth, the stuff with Roman, uh, none of them worked, but he did his best. So, you know, there you go then. I, guess. I think, yeah, I think the, the few highlights, and again, this is not really nitpicking, um, but, you know, I, do, I think the, the entire Roman build, uh, he did have great matches, actually, I think afterwards. I will say the, the match with Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler. Every, everyone, says, everyone says that. I think those matches are good. Everyone <laughs> yeah. says they're great. I think they're good. They're, I think they're the Dean Ambrose match was great. I really love that match. Um, I do think, again, he, he tried to, you know, help get Roman over. Obviously, that obviously has failed. I thought the build to the Seth Rollins match was exciting. I remember, I think we knew we would talk, we have talked about at the time, and I think we even watched that WrestleMania together. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the match was, was very lacking, but I think the build, at least, was good. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the way you have to look at his career. I will only close with this. I think uh, when we talked about, uh, recently we talked about um, Scott Hall's career, and I think the thing with Scott Hall was he's someone who never really got the ball. 
he never really was like, hey, you know, you lead the company, you and he needed another himself by just being cool without having one winning the championships necessarily like crowning the main events, you know, or, or politicking that much unless it was about his money. Um, with Triple H, I think it's the opposite. I think you can make an argument. We've seen Triple H ask for the ball and fail more times than almost any other wrestler, arguably. Sure. And I think, and that's a very complicated legacy. It sounds like a straight, uh, you know, negative, but I think it, it, I give him credit for always being there, for being in a position, whether it's through politics and whether it's through earned uh, accomplishments um, and being dependable. Uh, and, you know, and, and not being afraid to fail. That being said, we do have to be like, I think like, like you just did look very honest at his track and say it is literally, literally with failures, also literally with successes. And I think, um, again, him obviously going over to NXT shows he always had a mind for business, didn't always just execute sometimes, especially in the end of his career. Um, might have, as, as it was true with so many other greats, maybe, you know, held on and uh, to the top for just a little bit longer than he should have and maybe didn't realize didn't assess his skills properly at the time uh, when, when, when he was volunteering himself for the main event scene. Um, that being said, I think he's absolutely, I think undoubtedly one of the all-time great workers, as you, as you mentioned, especially in his prime, absolutely uh, one of the all-time biggest impacts in wrestling. I mean, you know, you can say that for most people, I think, who won the championship during the Attitude Era. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I, I will sit there and say that he has the career that uh, Larry Zbysko fantasized about in the AWA. And those who know Larry Zbysko married Vergadia's daughter and then was the champion as the company was going out of business. So I do think that uh, I, I will say this for a seven year period of time, uh, maybe eight, eight years, Triple H in ring was good to excellent even in his infancy where he still had a lot of growing to do that period of time, he was fantastic in the ring because there was so much that he could do as a guy of that size. Again, what we have to remember is like, like it, it, let's say a flare tore his quad. We'd be having a totally different discussion because guys like that, who are supposed to be these heels and whatever movement is such a part of their game. You have to really be smart enough and astute enough to understand how to change within that Rick rude. When he realized I have a bad neck, he changed up his style a little bit. I'm still going to bump for you and I'm still going to do, but I'm going to do rest holds that I'm going to get heat with. Triple H never really learned that. He, he just never, he just never really applied that. I think it was something you could have learned. He just didn't apply it um, for whatever reason. So I think it overall affected the quality of his matches. Also, I just do believe that he was a part of a culture to where there could have been other main event people at the top or options, not always being there, but give them the option. There could have been other people there, but they were sacrificed far too often in the name of him. And then as years went on where he had to volunteer himself to help guys get over, you couldn't get a return on that investment because, you know, you, you put too much into the dude. Um, you put too much and you didn't get enough back of it. Uh, so we should be having a, a different conversation about Triple H's in-ring legacy. But as uh, Triple H once said uh, when he was handed a sheet about that program that he was going to go into, am I fucking going over? So there you go. And there you go. I uh, don't think we have anything else to add uh, to the Triple H discussion. And like I said, we still have a very loaded episode, so let's keep it moving. Um, and what we have to talk about is we have a lot of wrestling coming out this weekend. Uh, and let's start previewing it. Let's uh, talk about Ring of Honor Supercard is the next. Uh, I think it's the first thing to go is the first Ring of Honor event uh, happening since the Tony Khan bought his company. That's why it's Littered with uh, AW stars, 
uh, to be quite frank with you, it's only six matches. I think it's done so that people will have uh, enough time to go to, I believe it's on Saturday, right? Or is it yep, Sunday? it's on Saturday. So they, so they have enough time gotta, to go to make it yep. to WrestleMania afterwards, yep. um, which it's regular thing. I don't think it's, uh, a lot of people are saying it's Tony Khan kind of programming. It's not. Nope, it's, it's every year. Do, it, it, happens, yep. it happens every year, except minus the pandemic years. There's yep. always independent shows. And I don't know if Ring of Honor is considered to be an independent show, but let's say smaller shows putting out doing uh, shows around WrestleMania. So this is nothing unusual. There are two matches I'm personally excited about. Uh, both I think, of I think we're in agreement. I think, yeah. One you of can them, say of course, is the main event, which is the your Ring of Honor original. The other one is the Dream Tag Team match. Uh, the other, the rest of the show kind of <laughs> reminds me a little bit of WWE's version of ECW. Just mm. kind of like, eh, it doesn't really feel like ROH match, but okay, but they well, can I, be good. I would, here's, here's, a, here's, good. Where, here's where I would disagree because Josh Woods has been there. Okay. Um, uh, Jay Lethal, of course, is a staple. Lee Moriarty, I think, will fit in very good there. Um, so I, I think that then you have the Briscoes, then you have Gresham, then you have Bandito. So you actually have a lot of ROH guys, uh, even though Gresham now is under a contract. I don't know if Bandito is going to be signed. But I will say this, Jonathan Gresham, you must come see the man. You must come see the real ROH World's Heavyweight Champion and figure out if you are among them. You've been parading around for months now, calling yourself the original. No, you were the interim champion the entire time. And now Bandito calls you to the floor, sir. And you must answer the challenge. That is going to be amazing. Uh, also, Jay Briscoe, the Briscoe Brothers versus FTR. Bruh, sign me up. I'm, the I'm two there. best tactics right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a dream match for everybody. Um, that's I. That might be... I will. I will. If 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 you could put money on such things, I will put money on that being the best match of the weekend. Yes. To be honest, I, I definitely think so. And I think the rest of the card is solid. You got Swerve Strickland, Alex Zane, Jay Lethal, Lee Moriarty, both very good. Jay Lethal being back in ROH while being. I mean, it makes sense. Like this is why the ROH thing is such a good thing because AEW's roster is already so bloated that you need this. Like they need their NXT. They need an ROH. So this is excellent. Uh, I, like I said, when we did our breakdowns of wrestlers of the past year, Josh Woods was among my list of guys I didn't know too much about who I became a big fan of, a uh, big fan of Wheeler, Utah. So that's cool. Also, interesting thing, and this is going to be very interesting to me, Mercedes Martinez versus Willow Nightingale for the interim. Notice how we can say interim when we want to be correct here. The interim ROH Women's World Champion. And then whoever one of you fine ladies wins, you must step up and see Deanna Pedraza, the real ROH, World's Women's Wrestling Champion, okay? That's how it works. So I do think the women's match is very, very interesting because Deanna's on Impact. She's signed, signed to them. Of course, these, these companies have a working relationship with each other, but I love unification matches where it's an actual interim versus champion, and Deanna's been doing great, great work with the ROH uh, women's world championship. I mean, honestly on par with Gresham in terms of keeping the title very relevant. So how they choose to go forward with that is, will, will be really neat. So I think that Supercard of honor is a good reintroduction to ring of honor and what it could be going forward. Who do you have winning? Do you want to go do, do you want to do predictions real quick? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want, I, yeah. I, so main event, I'm gonna go from main event down main event. I would love Bandito, but it's going to be Gresham. Like, it's, and I love Gresham, but it's just going to be Gresham. But Bandito is such an awesome baby face to me. And as a kid, I don't know I because Gresham, Gresham has a lot of titles already. He might be doing his own thing. So uh, that might be, I mean, I know he's already signed to AW as well, I believe, right? But I yeah. don't know if he, you know, if he's going to keep it moving. So I, right. I actually have Bandito winning. Okay. I'll be cool with that. I think that the, the tag team match, that's a toss up. I'm going FTR. 
I'm going Come Briscoes. I, I think I this is their first. This is their show. This is their house. You yeah. don't. You don't have FTR coming to their house and beat them. That's fair. Uh, I take Swerve over Zayn. Um, I take Lee Moriarty over Jay Lethal because Jay's been very giving. In his, in the last, that's why he does. One taking Jay Lethal. He, he does. Been losing too much. He, he does, but he's been losing a lot in ROH for like a while now. So we can keep that trend going. Uh, I would uh, the, the the pure the ROH pure championship match. I don't really have a call. I really it's, do it's not have a call yeah. at all. Yeah, It'd be kind of cool, man. If Billy Yu is getting a little bit of a push, if you see him on on AEW television with a title, I kind of like it. I like the idea. I, would, yeah. I know I'm not a big would, fan of, like I said, of people coming into their house and beating them, but this one I like because it might actually help the company. If you see Billy exactly as part of the the new form, uh, um, what are they call uh, Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, Blackpool. Yeah, yeah. yeah so for um, that, it's like that's their little, that's their young boy having their young boy win a thing would be cool. Yeah. And, you know, and then it, and then it gives Josh Woods something to do because, hey, man, you know, there's two companies out there. The women's tag team title match or the women's uh, the women's world's title match. I uh, don't really have a say, but I'll take Mercedes. Also, I think, like, can we just give she's been around long enough. Let's let's give her a role title. Like, let's and she's <laughs> done agree. great work. So let's, she was let's like a, a shine champion forever. Yes, um, she was. But, uh, yep. but, but yeah, I'll give I'll give him. Uh, I think Mercedes got it. I think it's just it, there's a little bit more name recognition. Yep. There's a little bit more money in, in eventual Mercedes versus Deanna match. Yeah, so honestly, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this one. Uh, so let's you know. move on from AEW NXT to the NXT's NXT. Uh, um, they have a stand and deliver. It's again another uh not no longer called the takeover, which is oh, I guess appropriate. We can we can it's because it's, it's, we get to lower the stand and deliver. Yeah, but stand and yeah. deliver it's a good name, and uh, actually I don't know. I think it might be it should be a really fun pay per view. Again, as we've talked about, I think NXT at this point. Uh, on a week-to-week basis, it's I honestly find it as entertaining as NXT evolved. Um, the match quality for takeovers is just it's not going to be there, not yet at least. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I think this is really strong card. And again, always as with the with the RH six match card should be quick. I think all of these matches have had a decent build, and I think there's going to be some good action as well. Um, yeah, can I can I say something really quick mm-hmm. about the match quality? So also like yeah, it's it's a quick six six matches. It'll be really cool. Easy two hours. I think that we need to temper our expectations with mass quality for ring for uh, NXT rather uh, going forward permanently because they're just not produced the same. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like so, for where you had Triple H and there seemed to be a bit more, it was still controlled, but there was a bit more freedom. You you now have Vince there looking. Sean is sort of Sean has I think an understanding of what makes Vince happy and 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 it ain't that old stuff. So there are guys who can work. Like they're excellent workers within that you, but you're just not going to see them do some of the shit that they were doing before because they're not going to be performing in front of those crowds. There's not going to be those big, huge debuts as there was before. It's just not being produced in the same way. So I think going forward, we need to really be realistic about our expectations with respects to mass quality, because while even someone like me would be critical of the mass quality in months past, it just takes the greater understanding of under of realizing well, as time goes along, they simply just not going to be produced the same. So that's just what you're going to have. I don't think that there's much care. I think, uh, you know, as, as you just mentioned, I think they, at the time they were kind of wanting to get WWE as, as a whole company, more five-star matches. They, they like, it seemed like they care about this much. And this time it's like, no, listen, we just have to develop people. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I will say this, I do think you bring up a good point. This is going to be, I think, the first time we see this version of NXT in front of a different live audience. Yep. They're actually going to perform in, um, again, I forgot the, the venue, but I think it's like 5,000-seater. So, yeah. so it's a little bit exciting, you know, just to see how they're received outside of the, yeah. the Food Cell Center. It's uh, at the, yeah, it's at the American Airlines Center. That's right. That's right. So, yep. 
Um, very excited for that. That's uh, that's any uh, matches you look forward to specifically before we, before I, we uh, do yeah, our yeah, man. So here's here's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I look forward to the ladder match. Um, so that's cool. I look forward to Mandy Rose versus Cora Jade. I like the fatal four way aspect of it. I I want to look forward to the tag match, and I think I will because of the Creed brothers and Imperium. MSK, mm-hmm. I'm just not with it. You know, it's a lot of it's they're a lot exciting. of nothing matters. In the they're, they're exciting, but nothing they're matters. They're better in the three way than the two yes. way because in the three yes. way, their lack of selling won't piss me off. Yes, and I think that um, Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Breaker, I think, will be exciting regardless of how it goes. Um, I I don't necessarily see Braun being moved up right away. So, you know, uh, so I, I think that'll be good. And of course, uh, here's the funny thing. If you go on to NXT Stand Deliver on Wikipedia, Gunther is still listed as Volter. So that's hilarious to me. But LA Knight versus Volter should be good. But we, are, we all know how that's going. Like, Gunther eating that man alive. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's start with that. So yeah, I got Gunther being LA Knight as well. He should just shouldn't lose at this point. He's you know, next monster. He's probably going to challenge for a title sooner than later. Um, very excited about this, man. I just because it's Gunther, every match he has, he had a match, four minute match with Duke Hudson, and I, you could not tell me that I was going to enjoy a four minute match with Duke Hudson by anyone. And Duke, like, not only did he beat him a man in four minutes and made him look better because it was like, oh shit, Duke Hudson's fighting back against Gunther and like yeah. taking new jobs and getting this name out, and he's doing suplexes. And I'm like, wow, like, mm-hmm. Gunther is incredible, man. Uh, one of my all time, I think, favorite wrestlers in the ring. Um, I think he's going to give LA Knight a, a beating. He's going to destroy him uh, and also probably give him his best match in NXT yet. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't think it's about giving LA Knight his best match. I think it's about the Gunther character continuing to be established because I think Vince, it seems like in Vince's mind, once he changed his name, it's like a blank slate, which is dumb, but whatever. So I think this is a match where LA Knight is going to make Gunther look very, very good. Okay, uh, going in uh, Wikipedia order from the bottom uh, up. Let's go the main event next. We got Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Breaker. Uh, interesting storyline. I wish there there again could have been made better. I think if you are going to have the crossover between brands, I think you, you they should have kept Dolph Ziggler looking a little bit stronger on Raw side, right? So if he's going to be your NXT champion, make him look like a little bit of a bigger deal while he's on Raw. The good news is he didn't interact with that many people outside of Tomato, Tommaso Ciampa, or Braun Breaker on Raw anyway, but no, no, it's just a small complaint. It's going to be a good match. Um, I'm happy to see again. People, Dolls are going to finally get a chance. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm, I could be a big deal, even if it's a big deal in the smaller pond. He's just, he's better that way. He's somebody who's, again, with a show-off gimmick and somebody who we all know is a great worker. He's somebody who works better as a main inventor because he how flamboyant he is, because how good of a heel he is, because he's good in those 15, 20 minute matches, that's when he kind of really gets to show off his skill. That being said, I think his reign, we could do more with it, but I think it's the point of his reign ultimately is to go Braun Breaker. So I got Braun yeah, Breaker winning. Yeah, yeah the, the point of this is to establish Braun. And who better than a guy who's been consistently a better in ring worker than Shawn Michaels? So let's just go with that. And I say consistently because he's had a longer, continuous in ring career of just being really fucking good um, and having amazing moments. He's never booked that way. So uh, yeah, I see Braun uh, going over and continuing his run and setting up an eventual showdown between him and Imperium as a whole. Uh, I disagree with the with one thing you said there, but we're not gonna we'll talk about it some other time. No. Let's slow that yeah. up. Um, well, who has? I mean, who's who showed up every day? Who showed up every day, day in and day out? 
put in a thing. I mean, I'm going just based on time. I'm not saying that overall he's a better. Now I'm just saying time-wise of being of a high level, excellent. Like, and the only reason he doesn't have those memorable moments because he just wasn't booked that way. But we see that he can have them. Look at his uh, look at his match first career with for the Intercontinental title. So we know he can do it. Um, we then have you have Ethereum versus MSK versus the Kree brothers. Uh, again, extremely. Hey, it could go either way. I think this is the coronation of the Kree brothers. I still want it to be coronated personally. How I will book him, I think eventually I have to turn on uh, on Roderick Strong and send him to the main roster. Um, that's kind of just again just to get the real heat because right now they're kind of like the cool heels. I mean, they have Michael Malcolm Bivens who is like the perfect you know uh, head of of the cool heel faction. I just I think they need to turn it up before winning the title. Uh, but also, I mean, they're clearly the next big tag team. They're clearly uh, beloved and deservedly so. I mean, you know, the Steiner brothers are going to the Hall of Fame. This is the closest thing I've seen to the Steiner brothers in, in WWE and probably all of wrestling, unless I'm not thinking of someone. Um, so, and again, it's going to be an awesome match. I mean, MSK do what they do. I wish they saw more, but they're obviously the incredible athletes. Imperium are so probably the most underrated tag team in the world, along with uh, Grizzly Young Veterans. And uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be an awesome, awesome match. Again, might steal the show on uh, on the, this entire weekend, to be honest. Yeah, it's going to be great. I really don't care who wins, to be honest, but I know it's going to be great. So, yeah, next time we have the four, the pay of four way for the NXT Women's Championship. I like the idea. I don't think Mandy Rose versus Corey Jade was going to be good, to be quite frank. I yeah. think putting Io yeah. Shirai, sorry, and Kaylee Ray. In there which is is really good, like way to um, save the match and actually, you know, put some women who know what they're doing actually to probably the best mm-hmm. uh, workers, period, regardless of gender uh, in the world today. So uh, it should definitely be good, but also I think it's a good way for Mandy Rose to retain. Yes, I think it, that's definitely the point. Your most over faction, probably in, your, in all of WWE, your most over female faction, rather, uh, is Toxic Attraction. So you do what you can to keep them over because eventually you want to use them for greater things. So Mandy needs to have a long run um, with that title. The Fatal 4-Way gives her an excellent way to keep that title or to even lose the title and not be pinned. But I would keep it on her uh, because who else are you going to put it on? You know, unless it's a baby face who then you just beat for it immediately after. So that's my thought anyway. No, there's just nobody as hot as her right now. I mean, you're sure I absolutely doesn't need it. Corey Jade is not ready for it. Kaylee Ray is maybe the only other answer, and I don't think she just has enough momentum behind her. I think eventually she'll, she'll be Mandy Rose one-on-one um, if, if, if they choose to do so. Uh, next up, we have Tomasa Ciampa versus Donnie D'Angelo. I think Ciampa is doing some of the best promo. I mean, it's only been back-to-back weeks, but man, the first of all, the Pharaoh promo that got interrupted by Tony D'Angelo was incredible. And then last week, just him attacking and uh, Tony and then, you know, getting in his face and be like, hey, I'm not done yet. I, I thought it was awesome. That being said, I think he's done. I think that this is uh, him making Tony D'Angelo on his way out of the door. This is this is this is like watching Grayson Waller just shorter and from the northeast. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely Tony. Um, so that'll be that. And uh, we'll get through it. I'm sure it'll be an emotional, like, send-off moment for Tommaso. Well-deserved. And uh, he'll have to make a guy who won't. It's like, it's literally going to be a Fandango situation, I think. Like, Jericho makes the guy, and the guy just never lives up to that for reasons that are independent so much of him. And, but it's more in, in, indicative of how much the character kind of stinks. Oh. Well, we'll see. We'll see, because with... With Tony D'Angelo, but, I think it was more natural 
support so, behind him than than Fandango. I mean, I know Fandango had the his gimmick. His... Go ahead. No, that's that's cool. I'm just saying that the character is dead in the water and it's unbelievable. Um, and it's very it just it just it ain't gonna get to where they want it to get. But you gotta do something with a body, I guess. But is it'll be a good moment for D'Angelo. And then lastly, we have so we don't know who the last person is in the ladder match. I'm going to make a prediction. It's going to be Cameron Grimes, just because of the promo that he cut, kind of the yeah. backstage talking about you know overcoming all of uh, of his hardships lately. And uh, I actually think it's about time we give Cameron Grimes a real title. So I have Cameron Grimes beating Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, Santos Escobar, and Solo Sokoa in the for the NXT North American Championship. Uh, you could be spot on because if you do that, the beauty of it is let's say uh, Carmelo Hayes never got pinned. Uh, you could put him, you could shoot him right to the main event because Lord knows Braun's going to need someone who can like do the other half of the work for him. If Braun is to win the title back, but if it's Cameron Grimes, he wins. If it's not Cameron Grimes, then I, you know, that I would just say Carmelo again, but um, I think that'll be fun. I just hope the guys don't get too hurt. And, um, and, and yeah, this, I think, I honestly think stand and deliver is going to be better than one of the nights of WrestleMania. I'm saying it now. Oh, I, I agree with now. you. I agree with you. So without further ado, and with that as our transition, uh, let's talk about WrestleMania. We do have, it's a two-night event. Uh, I think as of right now, we have seven matches on each night, plus one segment on night one, which is now listed in the match listing. Um, well, I got to ask you first and foremost, how excited are you for WrestleMania, if at all? Well, you know, like you said before, Mike, you said you were about a seven in terms of yeah. excitement. I'm about a four. Um, okay. And that's, you know, that's just an that's honest assessment. Zero, so that's good. Yeah, that's just an honest assessment. Um, I, I'll tell you immediately what I do not like. Sure. Let me just get that out the way right now. And let me tell you what I do not like. Some bitches you, huh? You son bitches, huh? You dare disrespectful son bitches. You gonna put, you go, okay, first, the Intercontinental title, the United States title is nowhere on this fucking card. Let's get that out of the way. Let's understand now you have a uni former universal champion in Finn Balor who's been doing amazing work, who's over like Rover, over more over than a lot of people on this fucking card, might I mention, and you can't do nothing for him. And then you have a guy like Damian Priest who you spent all year building, you fucked up that build, you turn him heel, and then you don't get to showcase him. So, let, so what you're going to tell me is the work of a, of a Damian Priest and a Finn Balor does not equate to the work of one of the Paul brothers. And I get it. It's WrestleMania. It's stupendous. You have to bring the stars. You're wasting time. It's a two-day event. You mean to tell me you can't have Finn Balor on that card versus Damian Priest? And it, like, so what are we, so again, I'm hoping that something comes out of Andre the Giant Battle Royal to get him onto the card. Yes, but yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Also, 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 let me take talk about this. So, so they put the title on Ricochet. Everybody, oh, Ricochet, he made it, man. Hung in there. He loses to the, both the Lotharios in one night. And I said, I knew when he got pinned and he's like, oh, come back in this ring and get this whooping again. I was like, they're going to beat him again. They're going to beat him again. Then, and they did. Then he shows up on Raw for some reason to face Austin Theory. And I was like, this ain't going to go good. He loses to Austin Theory in less than five fucking minutes. In two, so, two minutes. So, yeah, so so now not only does he look like the shit that we thought he was beforehand, not the good shit, the shits as a character that he thought he was the beforehand. Now the Intercontinental title looks even worse, <laughs> looks even fucking worse. So that's a lot of what brought my enthusiasm down about this pay-per-view and title, because once again, WWE is saying there is no mid-card division and they're actively showing that. 
And they're actively proving that. And it's a fucking waste of time and talent to do so, especially when there are matches on these cards I could give two shits about. So they had it. They had my not even my excitement. Let me rephrase. Mike will say excitement. I'll say interest. They took what, what could have been a six in interest into a four in my mind. Off the string to that alone, because quite I, frankly, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's why I'm on the seven. To be honest with you, I I might, might dock less points only because I'm not gonna. I don't evaluate the card based on what's not on it. If that makes sense, sure. but it's undoubtedly bad booking. I mean, it's, it's indefensible because now it was Ricochet. I mean, obviously he, he's gonna beat both Lotharius, and that's a cool moment. At best case, now you back to square zero. Like you back to like you fucked him up so bad. Yeah. You're gonna give him a big win. They cancel each other out. So you just done Austin Theory. You have who? Who? You have to make him look strong because he's got a big showcase. I get it. You don't be your. You you have other bodies. You have other bodies to destroy with. I couldn't be Apollo Crews even. Exact fact. You ain't doing nothing with him. What? How about this? You could have had him kill Apollo and uh, the other guy, General Zod, or whatever the fuck his name is. You could have had that happen. You literally could have done that. (laughs) But it. But anyway, I digress. Uh, in, In spite of, there's been just some sloppy, shoddy storytelling in this. Uh, chief among them, Bobby Lashley versus Omas. That's just a thing to get Omas over. Fine. If you're going to put a rocket ship to him, put a rocket ship to him. I do think it's a rather shitty that the guy who just beat Brock Lesnar then has to come in and lose to Omas. But whatever. <laughs> I think they might. See, I don't know. Let me ask you this. If, if let's say Bobby Lashley, you already got Omas off his feet, which got a huge problem. If he looks competent, in the match, not even confident like he can wrestle, but like if he gets him off the seat, he body slams him and still loses. I think you can spin this as like a win for both. I actually really like this matchup. To be honest, I think I think I think this dude breaks out the hurt lock and kills Bobby Lashley, and then I think Bobby Lashley goes forward. Uh, he has his he has his Don Morocco run when The Rock was on his way out of WWE. If he breaks out that that hurt lock. That's going to tell you all you need to know about how they see Bobby Lashley going forward. If he body slams him and still loses, cool. I mean, but it it, it's, it was so thrown together that fine, whatever. That's what the company wants to do. I'm okay with it. That's not one of those feuds. I need, I don't need this one to be all no, it doesn't need to promo yeah. mode. Yeah. Or, it's, it's two okay. big dudes going up against one another. One yeah. of them is a former champion. The other guy is like still fucking foot tall. Yeah. It's insane yeah. how small Bobby looks next to him. Um, yeah. but again, like, like you said, listen, you, anytime you can get a pop uh, for a shoulder tackle, I'll, I'll, I'll give you props, man. So I think I don't have an issue with that match as much as you do. Well, let's again, let's go down think, the card. I think, yeah, so let's talk about it. So I think night two specifically is is pretty stacked card, actually. Uh, night one, not so much. So let's talk about night one first. Let's do it from the top or from the bottom? How you want to go? Let's go. Let's go from the top. All let's go from the top. Uh, we have Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Probably the best told story uh, for the whole WrestleMania. Um, yes. Yeah, since SummerSlam. Uh, yeah. And it's peaking at the right moment. I, I enjoy everything they've been doing so far. Uh, and I love the fact that Bianca is too tall on Raw and, and cut off some of Becky's hair. Uh, because now there's I'm a little bit scared that Becky Lynch might retain, which is the point of this whole thing. That's how you kind of keep me interested. Um, very excited for this match. Uh, they're both good in the ring. They have told a good story. This, I know, honestly, probably should be the main event for night one. Uh, but I think it might actually be the first match of the night. Uh, yep. which I'm well, you might as well. You might as yeah. well kick it off with that. Just do it. We know what the better match would be, but people really want to believe that the Ronda Rousey is what she is. So then we just have to do that. That's fine. 
Wait, I have Bianca Belair taking this. I think this is her ultimate her, her redemption story. I think this she I think she wins. Um we'll see. We'll continue. Maybe we'll continue storyline. Maybe you know there's a hair versus hair match in the future. I hope this does not become established for this match. It's just unnecessary. You already have the title on the line at WrestleMania. So no, don't don't overbook it. Yeah, let's hope. I, I'll go with uh I'll go with Bianca. Now, next match, uh, is Rain, uh, the Mysterios against Miz and Logan Paul. And when you talk about bad storytelling, this is the match I want to highlight. You talk about the match, I was actually, I was, I didn't care for it when they announced it. I got it, wasn't mad at it. Bringing in Logan Paul, he likes working for you guys. They go online, it's a business thing. I don't care for it, right? Then they did something interesting. They stole Rey Mysterio's mask and they had Logan Paul wear it. I'm like, ooh, this is something interesting. Now it's a game disrespectful. Now I'm starting into it next week. You have them get the mask back. I don't know why you don't save that moment for WrestleMania. I don't know what you're doing, so I'm back to not caring. So who wins? Uh, the Mysterious, but I also don't care. Yeah, about the same. It stink. It stinks. It's a nothing burger. Uh, yeah. Next match is the match I think I'm gonna have to defend because I'm into it. Um, it is Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin uh, in a singles match. Again, Happy Corbin is undefeated, quote unquote, uh, since his uh, since he became Happy Corbin. Uh, undefeated. I, I put that in quotes because I think he has zero pay per view matches, and I think uh, he has. They say undefeated. They're not counting DQs or countouts. That's, That's the right. perfect way to man. protect a heel that doesn't lose. You say they are undefeated, and then if you want to get if you want to get specific, you can say they are unpinned, and they have yet to submit an in ring competition. Which is true again, at least yes. in televised shows, but. They still, even with all that said, they, if you're going to run the whole where well, he's been undefeated and that's why he's a big deal, you have to just present him a little bit more threatening, uh, which they've done a piss poor job of. Um, that's the only thing I wish to make the story better. Otherwise, I think it's a good story. Again, I, I think Corbin and Matt Moss, a lot of people don't like him, a lot of people don't see them as mediocre. I say, look, they're on TV constantly, they get some constant heat, they're both good workers, and they're two of the better heels you have. So I don't think Drew McIntyre going up against them. Yeah, it's not as big, obviously, as going up against Brock Lesnar or going against Bobby Lashley for the title. But I don't think it's a major demotion for one of your biggest faces. I think uh, so long as there's something better for Drew on the other end of WrestleMania, that this is fine. Um, because he's big, he's over like Rover, and your two top guys look small next to him. So I'm going to just put that out there. He dwarfs Roman. He dwarfs Roman. He makes Reigns look, or he makes Brock look like a big dude. <laughs> like that's how big Drew is. And he can talk and he can work his ass off. So there's no reason to really not have him in the mix uh, going forward. But, you know, Roman has to have the title for 300 years. So that, that's just what that is. Um, but yeah, I do like Happy Corbin. I like Mad Cat Moss. I think Corbin is actually doing his best work. Um, I think he's transitioned very well into this. And I think he has a character who's very hateable. As a result, you can use his undefeated streak as a real thing. And for the purposes of storytelling, you know, this story is extended almost 90 days now. Um, and it hasn't been absolutely terrible. And they've kept Drew looking strong while keeping Corbin looking strong so they can be in confrontation with one another at the biggest show of the year. So with that, that's pretty solid. So I won't be mad at that. Huh. I'm surprised to hear that we're in agreement on this one. I think uh, Drew McIntyre wins this one. And as you said, hopefully moves on bigger and better things uh, uh next up we have the usos versus nakamura and boogs for the tag team championship um i feel fine i think this could has potential to be good um i think jay and uh and nakamura had a pretty good match with smackdown nakamura is a good worker the usos are obviously good boogs is still green but he's super over i think his entrance for wrestlemania is going to be awesome uh and i cannot wait to see it 
the match, the build has been fine. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy that the Usos are on the show and not on the pre-show. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Usos win. You, you think the Usos win? I think so too. I don't think there's just yeah. when you build there's, up the title so uh, 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 reign so much. I don't think you make yeah. a switch when there's not that much momentum behind the challengers. Uh, right. so with that, next match is another nothing burger. I don't feel anything about this match. Uh, we have the New Day versus Sheamus and Rashawn. Uh, with Butch, I think this was supposed to be the Butch's uh, Pete Dunn's debut in uh, in the ring. Uh, obviously, with Biggie's injury, those plans got canceled. That would made me a little bit more excited. Uh, but yeah, there just hasn't been much going on there. Um, it was on SmackDown. The announcers fucked up Xavier Woods' return. Um, so it's just the entire program has just been cursed. <laughs> like it's been big... it's been terrible. It's been nothing. Let's go all the way. The winner is Sheamus and Ridge Holland. Let's just get that out the way. Let's just do that. Uh, so sorry. I remember uh, back in the day, man, you know, hey, Kofi fucked up a spot one time with Randy Orton and that derailed his career for years until he got back into the main event scene. Uh, so, yeah, there is. So, you know, whatever. Let's just get through this one. Next up, we have the match. This is, to be honest with you, this is where I'm most excited for of the entire weekend. Uh, we have the Seth freaking Rollins versus uh, to be announced opponent, the Mr. McMahon, who will name once Seth is in the ring. I think most people expect it to be Cody Rhodes. I do not know who it will be yet. It could be Gable Stevenson. It could be one of the NXT guys. It could be a number of people. And that's what makes it so exciting. I want to give huge shout out to Seth Rollins. I think he's done an incredible job carrying this storyline. I think this has been the main storyline on Raw in the time when Raw has had a good stretch. I mean, I think this past was the main storyline for the past few months, and Raw has been made genuinely good for the past few months. Generally. Been, I mean, since, since, since the new year, it's been better than SmackDown in every conceivable way. It's <laughs> like, been SmackDown, and I would say it's been on the level, at least, of Dynamite. I can't say I watch Raw and watch Dynamite. I'm like, oh, wow, there's like a vast difference in quality. Dynamite, Dynamite is more fun. Here's why Dynamite always wins out at the end. More often than not, it's more fun. Well, it's two hours versus three. Right. And also, and also it's, just a, it's a more streamlined product that doesn't have the history of exhausting you. So, again, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, I, you know, whoever it is, it'd be fine. You know, um, I, well, I, you know, if it, I, either way, if it's not Cody, I'm laughing. Whoever, whoever is not, I'm just laughing at everyone. Whoever I'm so not, excited. I'm if, so excited for everything Sh- about this. I'm and if excited. it's Shane, and if it's Shane, I will burst out laughing. I will, I will laugh in perpetuity. Um, and that'll be that. So <laughs> I cannot yeah. wait to see who it is, man. Just because again, yeah. it's just we see the, the the reaction and and yeah. the match that they'll have and the presentation and just everything. Again, great story told over a long time. Made made WrestleMania feel important, which is also I think kind of people are missing. Like this whole I have to be on WrestleMania makes Mania feel important. It makes people remind, hey, this is the big, you know, the granddaddy of them all, the grand stage. Concurrently, concurrently, you could also spin it as. I've main evented this thing. I've opened this thing. I beat the beast on this thing. How the fuck do they not have a match for me on this thing? So you could spin it that way. I think it's one of those stories that historically has been told before. It's just never been told at WrestleMania quite to this degree. So it's interesting in a way, the fact that they've given it that, that, that weight and that level is kind of cool, but it's like, I don't think it's that amazing. I just think it's a consistent story that's solid that has been told historically. You I know? think it's been, it's just been, it's like you say, it's a consistent story told by a guy doing great character work, having great matches. Like it's been consistently, yeah. and it hasn't just consistent, it's been consistently good and entertaining. And let's, and now you have the main event for night one. 
You have Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. As Hollow the Don would say, those of you battle rap fans, let's be honest, probably ain't many of you here. Uh, I'm not excited. And I'm not excited. We're, we're going to get through it, and I'm sure they have worked their behinds off to make the match serviceable. I really hope it does not go over 10 minutes. So, uh, you know, but Ronda winning, Charlotte's happened. It's fine. Listen, Ronda's winning. I hope Ronda doesn't hold the title for as long as she probably will hold the title for. And I also hope that Ronda just doesn't cut any more promos, man. Like, hey, if, if, if you have to, if you have to have her be your champion, just make her stream out. Make her be an ass secret and who taps out people and beats people quickly. Like, there's no more promos. Like, people yeah. like her. They actually, she's getting cheered for the most part, which I'm happy about. I thought this would be the WrestleMania 34 situation where she would, the match we get without, that's not going to happen. Uh, hopefully, they keep it short and sweet. All right. So now we go to night two. No, 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 no. We got to. Do you want to talk about Kevin Owens? Uh, oh, no. Austin? Austin's eating a stunner. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not oh, Kevin, Kevin Owens. Owens. Kevin Owens eating a stunner. Uh, a lot of beer. Uh, uh, maybe some middle fingers because it's WrestleMania. Uh, he's probably might eat a couple stunners. Um, it'll be really uh, the people will have a lot of fun. I think I think that's really all that can be hoped for in that regard. It'll be a lot of fun. Kevin has worked his behind off to get this thing off the ground. I'm sure he'll come through uh, that night. Austin has understandably not been excited about the idea of a match um, because he, he is a perfectionist and he understands what his body cannot do at this stage. So I think in that regard, all they want to see is some stunners. Steve wants to cash that seven-figure check, and then we can all go on with our lives. Here's my prediction. This is a bit, I think Austin also eats a stunner from KO. I can see that. I think I, I can think, see that. I think I, I think would... stuns Austin. He takes it, no sells it, comes around, stuns, and then you know stands tall in the end of the night. Woof. All right, night two. <laughs> night two. I am thoroughly excited for night two. I think it's a stacked card. There's nothing on this card that I'm not at least a little bit excited about. Uh, start from the top. I think the Baylor four-way tag team championship. Um, I think again, it, could, it would be better if those titles were treated seriously, you know, the entire year as opposed to the last month. Yes. But at least now we have some exciting teams, and there's two teams I can see winning this, you know, uh, between Sasha Banks and Naomi being a lot of fun. Uh, Naomi, you know, finally being treated the way we all want to see her be treated as somebody as a major player. Sasha Banks, one of the big crossover stars, so there's just a lot of stuff on that team. Liv and uh, Rhea Ripley also look very good. They make a lot of sense together. Also had a good, you know, especially Luke Morgan has, has had a pretty good year, so... It's good to see them both her and Naomi be on WrestleMania and both have a potential to win the title. Natalia and Shayna Baszler, I think they're respected uh, behind the scenes. I don't think they have much momentum going. I don't think they're winning, quite to be frank, quite frank. But again, happy to see them on the, on the card. I think the Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan win this match, and I think they take the titles, and I think they have some fun defenses for them. I take uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi. And I think it'll be fun. Next up, we have Giant Nacho versus Sami Zayn in a match that I am happy to say, I think me and you are both surprisingly excited about. Yeah, the, I, I didn't really care for this match until Johnny went and put um, my man's phone number on the internet. And then I just went to Sami Zayn's Twitter and just laughed hysterically for an hour and then left Sammy a voicemail myself saying, don't let him get you down. This conspiracy is getting out of hand, which it is. So I think it'll be fun in so far as there'll be a lot of chicanery in it. And of course you'll probably see all the, you'll see Steve-O, you'll see Bam, you'll see all the jackass guys and all that stuff. And, and please don't let it go too long. And uh, at this point, I don't care who wins. Cause I'm not supposed to. So 
Yeah, listen, it's it's super entertaining. Shout out to Sami Zayn, one of the most again. As a, we give Seth Rollins props, just you know, kind of mm-hmm. doing, you know, carrying uh, most of the promo work on his own on his back and being consistently entertaining. Everything mm-hmm. that happened with Sami Zayn is it was way more involved with twists and turns and him having an IC title reign and mm-hmm. um everything else that's been involved has been surprisingly good and surprisingly entertaining. Uh, and I think the match will be as well. I mean, I think this is the perfect way to book this feud. And if you are going to have Giant Knoxville wrestle a match. It should obviously be anything goes match. Uh, yep. Next up, we have the match. I'm probably the least excited about it, but still a little excited about. And I think this would actually be good. Uh, Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. I think Pat McAfee, I'm, I'm probably the least fan of his commentary. If that being said, I cannot be denied. He, he's over. He's one of their most over uh, employees over there at <laughs> WWE. People love him. People will cheer him. Austin Theory is the next big heel they're pushing. I think they're going to get a big, uh, uh, loud pop for McAfee and, and a lot of heat for Austin Theory. I do think this is Austin Theory has to win this match, obviously, uh, and I think he will. Yeah, I don't care about this. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, uh, how come? Excuse me. It's, it, it's it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's just like Seth Rollins on the one hand is struggling to get onto WrestleMania and he's an active wrestler, multiple time world champion. And Vince McMahon goes to Pat McAfee shows like want to be on mania. Like, so it's just kind of stupid and it kind of devalues the storyline of the more important wrestler who's going to be there tomorrow. It's a thing for Austin theory to do because Vince McMahon is, he looks at Austin theory and says, that's what I want. I want, he looks at him and I think he probably sees John Cena 2.0. So I think there's doing that. But other than that, the story is totally stupid. It's just a thing to do. Now I'm not going to crucify it wholesale because it's not let's not act like there, there's never been dumb stories on wrestle on WrestleMania cards. So, but this is just stupid and it doesn't mean anything. And and neither one of these guys is particularly worth the shit to me in terms of the audience response that they'll get for their in-ring work. So yeah. Uh next up we got Edge versus Edge Chase. Tell us, are you more excited about that one? This is my most excited match of the entire uh, WrestleMania weekend as it relates to WWE. I think this is going to be excellent. I think Edge wins to establish this new character because remember, he is sitting at the very top of the mountain. He sees everything. He sees it all. And what we don't see, Edge sees. Um, and again, given that he's in the fourth quarter, the real fourth quarter now of his career, fourth quarter 2.0, uh, you have to sort of establish this character and sort of get this character over. And really, you can. it appears that you could beat AJ uh, every which way, and the audience is still going to hold out some hope for him. So you beat him this time. You run it back at WrestleMania Backlash, and you do whatever you do there. Uh, but I think it's definitely going to be done in such a way where AJ maintains credibility. I, I think so, too. I think you might have Edge win by cheating, and then AJ Styles finally snaps and, you know, beats, beats him up afterwards leading to the next match. Um, again, everything Edge has been just involved in has been incredible. Uh, so far, that has yet to produce a bad feud, I would say. So, um, no reason to think that his feud with AJ Styles would be anything other than great. Uh, but yeah, I have Edge taking the first W uh, in this one. Now we have Bobby Lashley versus Almost, which we already covered. Uh, I think we both have Almost taking it. I just want to take in the win. I just want to see, you know, kind of how they go about it. Yes. Uh, we also have RK Bro, and I do apologize for skipping it earlier. RK Bro versus the Street Profits versus the Alpha Academy for the Raw Tag Team Championship. Uh, pretty excited about this match as well. One, every, all six people know how to work in the ring. I'm excited for a Shoe Profits heel turn uh, and just curious to see what that looks like. Um, and uh, again, I think Arky Bro and, and Alpha Academy has just been constantly in, you know, in, a, in a, the near the main event on Raw and they have got a lot more uh, spotlight and prestige on the, on the Tag Team Championship. So this actually means something. 
Uh, I have Street Profits taking it. I think this is, again, they just turned heel. Uh, and I think they can really use, uh, after kind of being dormant for the past year, I think they, this can be the, the rocket to the backs to get again. I agree 100%. Awesome. Uh, so now, without further ado, let's talk about our main event, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, uh, the third of the trilogy. Um, I think this is probably where... Third uh, of the yeah. trilogy at WrestleMania. It is the seven-year feud they have wanted so many of us to care about. And I'm sure many of you do. I don't. The first time it was interesting with a character who was failing. And then, the, and then they did it a couple more times with a character who was still failing. So now the character is everything they want it to be, but they've wasted about five years getting us there. So again, as I've said before, I reject the premise. As a result, don't care about this match. Everything is for Roman. He beats Brock, finally conquers the beast. Da, 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 da. Do the thing with the title. We the ones. That song sucks. So we're going to get through it. And it's fine. I'm excited for this, man. I, I even if you are not, you don't like the storyline, and you you've seen it before. Are you not curious to see what they produce? Are you not curious to see that? Hey, we finally got what we no, wanted. Brock, not at all. We finally got an over baby face versus an over heel. Two of the most dominant guys, the most strong no. guys. No. That's you know this is it. This is the final one. The final match. You did this. You no. You did this in Saudi Arabia. No. It's no, you've already done this. And then you were going to do it at day one. And then keep in mind, they were going to do this shit at day one with the all, but all likely to do this shit again at WrestleMania. No, I'm tired of this. I reject the premise. Stop insulting my intelligence. Stop insulting me. Do and not this insult is, me. This is where we I already do comedy. I insult myself enough. And then you come here and you say, oh, it's race for Roman Brock. And you've never said, but the card is stupendous. And it's a it's champion version. It's the biggest one of all. Yeah, that shit is fucking mid, bro. Please. Very obnoxiously close to the camera on that one. You literally were like coming through my screen. Well, like sometimes you have to be obnoxious. Uh, you know how close I was? I was not. I was as obnoxiously close as Roman Reigns pushed for the past ha over half a decade. <laughs> well done. Uh, I'm excited to see just what they do. I mean, again, like this is going to be the the final. They finally got what they wanted. It's going to be that most epic conclusion of the most epic story of the most epic WrestleMania ever. I think. We, I just hope we get. You know. Uh, we're not going to get a, a, a Roman Reigns five-minute squash. We're going to get some epic 20-minute match. Uh, and I think usually, well, I think WWE has had a pretty decent history with those, especially when both characters are over. So I'm just excited to see what, what they will do with it. Um, that has been us. Do you want to do match of the week this week? I don't know. I think there's yes, a I lot do, of pressing for people to I watch. Do, Go I ahead. Do want, I do want to do match of the week this week in all fit because, again, people sit there and say, it's totally you hate on Triple H. No, I give honest analysis of the man's career. But I do want to go back to a period of time. I want you to see a young Triple H and a young Rock really in, in, in the mid card, but really back when that title and that era, that was like pre-main event status. So I'm going to bring up Fully Loaded, 1998, The Rock versus Triple H, two out of three falls for the Intercontinental title. That is literally the nation versus DX. Uh, it's a really well-paced match. It's a really good match. And uh, it's an interesting time because one of Helmsley's knees is already bad. One of Rock's knees is already bad, but they're two young guys, both in their 20s. Uh, Helmsley's 28 and uh, The Rock is 26 at the time. And uh, they really got a lot of this two, two, at, two out of three falls deal. So, yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, as you watch, please go watch the New, ja new uh, Japan if you have a chance. It's been Or New Japan Cup. It's been, honestly an excellent tournament, especially the last, the semifinals and the finals. Uh, Please support Ring of Honor. Again, I know they're now owned by Tony Khan, but they're still, you know, they're they're still 
need need also need some support. They need eyes on the product. They have Rob, like I said, really good matches. Watch NXT, watch WWE. This is it. This is the weekend we all wait for as wrestling fans. This is the big WrestleMania weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Have a great time. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Take care, people. Peace.